0: this episode of being freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the award-winning cloud accounting software loved and trusted by over eighty thousand freelancers and small businesses myself included to claim your one month free trial visit freeagent.com being freelance but right now let's find out what it's like being freelance for motion designer hayley Aikens.
1: When I first started out, I just went round to all my freelance friends, basically just took them to the pub for a beer and was like, tell me how much you charge? How much do you think I should charge? When I made the switch from full time to freelance, I felt like it was a weight off me of like office politics. I don't know why, for some reason I was quite liked the negotiation and the getting the money in and stuff i think it's because like it sort of feels a bit like a game that's how i feel about business now as well it's like a fun game of like how can we get more money and you know how can we make fun things i can't really remember the time between someone saying you should start a podcast and then and then the podcast being out it's completely changed my career and probably my whole life really
0: Yes, yeah, so there is Haley, who I met at the Upreneur Summit almost exactly a year ago, actually. Uh, it was in November of 2018. And we met in, I think we met in the bar actually the night before it began. And she'd been listening to in freelance for ages and um, has her own podcast called Motion Hatch, which I'd heard to boot. And we got chatting about our side projects, but actually I've never heard her proper story of her freelance business. So I'm really looking forward to discovering more than that. So, but yeah, she does the Motion Hatch podcast and community. And um, yeah, so no doubt we'll be chatting about that as well. Speaking of community, of course, if you enjoy the Being Freelance podcast, please come and join me and loads of freelance, over a thousand freelancers from around the world, hanging out in the Being Freelance community. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. You can ask questions, get support, have a laugh. Um, it would be brilliant to see you there. Go take a look. The link is at beingfreelance.com, where you'll also find nearly 200 guests by now. Anyway, let's crack on, shall we, and chat to this week's guest, And that is Motion designer hayley akins hey hayley
1: hey steve
0: thank you so much for doing this how did you get started being freelance
1: well yeah it's kind of a long story so i like them
0: (laughs) it means i get to eat more biscuits hang on i'll crack open a packet okay off you go
1: basically how i got into motion design i guess is because i wanted to be in a band i feel like everybody says this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like on my podcast, they come on as well. And they're like, I wanted to be a musician, but I realized I wasn't like a good creative direction. So I thought, you know what, I'll just like do something else creative instead. So that's kind of what happened to me as well. And um, I basically just applied to loads of universities to do philosophy, which God knows what I would be doing if I actually did a philosophy degree. But instead, (laughs) I did film production and music tech and then realized that the music tech wasn't about being a band and it was quite technical and the film was more fun and creative. So I kind of got through that. And then, like most people, I just thought, okay, now I'm going to be in the media industry. I applied for jobs in Manchester and in London. Turned out that I got a job in London, obviously, because you know, back then when I graduated it was quite a while ago, we didn't have the BBC in Manchester or anything like that. Yeah. So I basically ended up working for a sports broadcasting company as a junior graphics operator. I hated that. Um, <laughs> so now my advice to people would be don't take jobs that you hate you know just out of desperation like try and curate your career a bit more and things like that
0: so what were you doing at the sports place like putting graphic overlays over saying this weekend boxing
1: yes yeah we did actually do some boxing we sort of did um that boxing was always hard because it was in america so it was always in the middle of the night and you'd be doing like live boxing graphics and doing live graphics is extremely stressful like that's why I hated it. I, I hate sport, so I hated it because of that. Like I don't mind doing sport, like now I'm running and stuff like that. But I hate like I'm not like watching football and stuff all the time. But yeah, I was. It back wasn't your then. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was super boring. I hated it. <laughs> so yeah. So
0: how how long did you stick that out? <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, so I stuck that out for three years. Another mistake. I'm basically three gonna years. say all my mistakes, and then hopefully everyone can learn. <laughs> to do different things to me and not do that. So, um, you know, because when you start working, you kind of feel like, oh, no one's going to hire me. So I, I actually like got a junior motion designer role at that company because it was more creative and we we're actually designing the graphics. And then I felt like I was trapped because I felt like no one's going to hire me as a freelancer or, or as a full-time person anywhere else because all I know about is, like how to do sports stuff, like on my reel, you know? Mm. Where now I think I would tell people, you have like spare time, you know, your weekends, stuff like that. You can make your own projects. I feel like when I was younger, I felt like I didn't really have as much control of my own destiny as I do now. I dunno, maybe I just think about it more. In what way? Like, um, I sort of wanted other people to give me permission to do stuff. Right. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, whereas now I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Like I can totally do anything that I want if I try hard enough and this kind of mindset and also thinking about stuff like a uh, lifestyle design. I do not I know this like gets banded around a bit too much probably, but, um, you know, what do you want your life to look like and how does your business fit into that? You know, I, I like to think about that kind of thing and So I try and make my work and my business work around me rather than when I was younger, I think I just felt like, Oh, I need my boss to give me permission to like do a project. You know, I can't just kind of do make what I want myself, you know? And I kind of got into that in my second job too. So eventually like trying to move on through the story, (laughs) I ended up, You know, looking for other jobs and and because I wasn't very confident, I, I just went for junior motion design roles, even though I'd had like three years experience already. I saw this ad, a small company looking for junior motion designer. So I was like, cool, I'll apply for that. They said, oh, come in for an interview. They gave me like an address and stuff. And and I basically turned up at this place and it was like a really lovely building, really intimidating, like glass doors kind of thing in London. And um, I walked in and I was like, hey, I'm here to see across the pond, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, cool. Yeah, just head up to the Google offices. And I was like, what? Google? <laughs> Why am I going to Google? So like you're going for an interview and then all of a sudden you find out you're going to an interview at Google. And that was uh, pretty intimidating. So I got there and it turns out that the they were actually like the internal production company there at the time.
0: So your second job was doing in-house animation at Google?
1: Yeah, so I really, wow. I enjoyed that. And I, I like stayed for far too long though. So I kind of got in, stuck in that thing again where, I don't know, like even though you, we I used to like manage freelancers and in the end I was like a senior motion designer. So I felt like... Um, you know all all these freelance motion designers are coming in all the time and I'm kind of managing them but I didn't feel confident enough that I could do that kind of thing as well so.
0: I guess also though your skills must have been developing uh, both both at motion design and also at managing people and things like that like it must have felt felt like you were progressing.
1: Yeah definitely but I, I feel like I I don't know you end up getting like pigeonholed into like a certain type of role or doing certain sorts of jobs so like at google they do a lot of uh ui based stuff so we would like recreate gmail inboxes and then like animate them coming on and stuff like that that's not like doing character animation and I feel like again I sort of sort of pigeonholing myself when you're in like these jobs i feel like everyone's always like very into the politics and everything like that i noticed that when i made the switch from full time to freelance that i felt like it was a weight off me of like office politics really feeling like more of like a victim of what your kind of boss is giving you the kind of work and that kind of stuff whereas like when you're freelance i feel like you take a lot more ownership of, of your work and things like that which is nice and it's kind of freeing
0: so was it after that time at google that you just seeing all these other freelancers coming in and you having to manage them that you eventually went freelance or did you move on to somewhere else
1: yeah so it was after that I like kind of just I'd been working as a full-time motion designer for about seven years at that point which is a long time considering in uh, the motion design industry I think that most people probably are freelancers um so yeah I was like okay I've just got to suck it up and I've just got to try and go for it but luckily I feel like I'd met a lot of producers and stuff like that that would come in and then they would move on and go freelance or other motion designers so it wasn't actually as hard as I thought and I sort of wish that I did it earlier really
0: so how did you go about it then did you just reach out to all of those people build yourself a website and off you went what did you do
1: Yeah so what I did was because I I think I had about two years like the latter two years of working there I would just collect everybody's emails and stuff that I met and keep them in a big spreadsheet and be like okay like keep tabs on everyone and sort of stay friends with them really like all the producers and stuff like that and because people liked working with me I feel like when I eventually went freelance and they'd be at a different company, then I could just be like, Hey, I'm freelance now. So I didn't really do that thing where people like do a lot of freelance work after work. I feel like, cause uh, remote when, you know, we're talking about like a good four, maybe nearly five years ago. I don't think like doing remote work was as much of a thing as it is now. So I felt like it was harder to, you know if like they were gonna get you in to do freelance stuff they'd want you to come in house and then you can't do that while you're working at another job so that was kind of what i came up against so i sort of just had to dive in but i had a lot of contacts because of working full-time for a long time
0: so when you handed in your notice at google did you have a client lined up
1: so i so what happened was when i handed my notice and i didn't but then i kind of said like hey in like four weeks, I'm going to be available, like, to all these different companies, and then my, one of my favorite animation studios contacted me, and they were like, oh, we've got this job, we really want you to do it, it starts, like, in two weeks, so I was like, oh, and I was like, damn, I'm still, like, working full-time then, so then I, like, tried to negotiate with my company to leave earlier, (laughs) and luckily, because you feel desperate, you're like, oh my god, this could be my only chance, right, which obviously it isn't, so then um, I just, I did that and I negotiated with them and they were like, yeah, that's fine. You can leave a bit earlier and stuff. And then the other, the, the client came back and they were like, oh, the jobs got pushed back actually. And it's like, oh my God, <gasps> this <is> so difficult. <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't, I wasn't aware that like how, I guess, um, you know, jobs can go and come. You know, they go away as quickly as they come at you, basically, sometimes.
0: <laughs> and so, I mean, you mentioned not working remotely, like as in it wasn't such a thing. So does that mean that at first you were going into people's offices, into like production houses or agencies or like what What did freelance life look like for you?
1: Yeah. So when I first started, I was obviously living in London and um, I used to just go to like ad agencies, production places like I actually worked for my old company quite a bit which was nice you know and um yeah just loads of different places kind of it's very easy i think when you live in a hub like london or something to get work because there's always like someone who's going to ring you at like 6 p.m. the night before and be like oh my god we need a motion designer can you come in you know where i think it's harder to build like a solid client base um, when you're kind of working more remotely or you want to do jobs from start to finish, I feel like it's easier in my industry, at least, to get these kind of jobs where, you know, maybe you just go into an ad agency for a day and they get you to make some like Iceland ads or something, you know, the <laughs> kind of stuff that is not that desirable. But when you're first freelance, it's kind of nice to be in a hub or somewhere because you can make a lot of connections fast and you can kind of just pick up these little jobs and then maybe after a while you you gain more trust with companies and they they let you do the more fun projects or get you in for longer and stuff like that
0: were they as you say like day projects or month projects like what sort of work were you getting and how I guess that thing where you're also having to look for the next job or or schedule things in like how did you cope with that if it was quite bitty
1: yeah so I think it's like So my sister is a fashion designer, right? And her, she was freelance for a while. And I think that was actually harder because they work on seasons. So you're like either booked for a season as a freelancer or you're not, if that makes sense, you know, like Mm -hmm. autumn, winter, stuff like that. And I was quite liked, like at the beginning of my career when, when it was like a day here, a day there, blah, 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 like a week here, a week there, sometimes like a month here and there, but because I felt like that was quite freeing in a way because yeah like the projects could kind of come and go very quickly and then sometimes you'd be penciled for like seven jobs and none of them would come through I don't know maybe that's an over exaggeration but you know what I mean but I always felt like I I knew that I could always get work like if one kind of dropped one day someone would be like oh do you want to work tomorrow you know it wasn't so I kind of felt like that was quite nice in a way I quite enjoyed it but it is stressful to go into different places every day and not know anyone and you're like oh my god where are the toilets stuff like that
0: yeah I mean did you go in like making an effort to then make more connections knowing that that could lead elsewhere or not to fit in and avoiding the politics as you put it earlier
1: Yeah, I think it's nice as a freelancer because basically you could just go in somewhere, you could do like one day, make a little animation for someone. If you decided you didn't really like the people, you just don't go back. You know, when they ask you next time, you just say, oh, sorry, I'm booked. (laughs) Or like you make the effort if you like the people and you kind of say like, "Oh, oh yeah, you know, just let me know if you have anything else. And you're like, oh yeah, I like them. They were good. They paid on time. You know, they seem like nice people and they have better projects or whatever that kind of thing
0: and how did you cope with the business side of things as you were starting out
1: yeah so I think that when I first started out what basically what I did was I just went around to all my freelance friends and said how much do you charge you know I basically just took them to the pub like for a beer and was (laughs) like tell me how much you charge how much do you think I should charge that kind of thing and you know they were kind enough to tell me but at the end of the day, I, I felt like um, it's kind of risky, right? Because you're just asking some people like what they charge and, and maybe they don't really even know what they should be charging, right? Uh, I guess like if you ask enough, you could sort of gauge an average, but I always just felt like that was a bit funny. And then uh, um, when I first started out, I would like meet other people that, that I considered better than me, like better animators and stuff and uh they would be charging like much less than me and I'm like why why are you charging that you should be charging more and I just felt like there wasn't um you know people just don't know what to charge they're just like scared to negotiate and stuff like that and I don't know why for some reason I always quite liked that side of it like the you know a bit like the negotiation and the getting like the money in and stuff. I feel like, I don't know why, I think it's because like, it sort of feels a bit like a game. That's how I feel about <laughs> business now as well. It's like a fun game of like, how can we get more money? And, you know, how can we make fun things and all that kind of stuff, you know? And I, I heard recently someone on my podcast was saying um, that he would sort of say like a really ridiculous, big number sometimes to clients when he didn't want to do the project. Like if he was really busy, it would just be like, oh yeah, like, Say a, a number that you thought they would just scoff at or whatever. And then they would say yes. And it's like, well, why don't we just do that more as freelancers? But when you're coming from like a place of sort of desperation, you don't think to do that because you're like, oh my God, I need this project. I need the project. But when you don't need it, that seems to be when more stuff comes to you or you can charge more and things like that. So I just think like trying to cultivate like more of a mindset of abundance, I guess rather than desperation from the beginning. I feel like that was something that I did do a little bit and I wasn't really frightened to say no to things. I think it's just because of experience being in the industry for such a long time before I went freelance.
0: And so, as you're playing the game
1: yeah the game of freelance <laughs> isn't that what we're all playing Steve
0: <laughs> as you're playing at it and you and you seem to be um, winning at it as well how did it all evolve from there like how did how did it change like as one job turns into another and the lapse of the board game of freelance carry on?
1: Yeah so after a while I started to think that I wanted to do more projects that had a positive impact on the world so kind of tried to gravitate more towards clients like that. Um, my sort of favorite client was a data studio that they kind of do stuff for the Gates foundation and the United nations. And we do like animations about sustainability and stuff like that. And that's, you know, I really, really liked working with them. They were, they're super fun. And, you know, I got to a stage where I was like leading a lot of their projects and things like that. And I feel like that was better because. I had a recurring client that really liked working with, and they really liked working with me. And then I managed to kind of negotiate working remotely, you know, eventually, and was kind of able to move up to Manchester and stuff. So that, I think that was really nice. You know, it's kind of that thing is, of like gaining trust with your clients and then you can negotiate stuff basically.
0: Mm. So when did you start Motion Hatch? How did that come about?
1: Yeah. So it kind of plays back into what I was saying about meeting different freelancers and people being like, Oh, you know, I'm just charging this and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, you should be charging more. And just feeling kind of frustrated that there wasn't anything online where you could kind of find out about, you know, how to run your business as a freelancer and stuff like that. I mean, now there's so much more. And especially in my industry, there just wasn't anything there really. Like, I think like, you know, later on, after being a freelancer for a while, I became aware of things like the AOI, like the Association of Illustrators and stuff like that. But I'm not sure that was, it. Might it probably was around a bit, but it's just not really like for motion designers and stuff. So I just felt like, I was like, oh, someone should do this. You know, someone should make like a website or something for people where they can like learn how to be freelancers or get into the industry and stuff like that. But then I just kind of let that go. And I was like, someone should do that. Someone else should do that. You know, like you don't feel like you should do it because you're like, oh, most of the time you feel like a fraud um, when you're doing your work and you have imposter syndrome and stuff like that. You know, I definitely still had that. And there's so many great animators and motion designers out there. I just thought, why? Why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? So anyway, that time kind of went on and, Then I got more interested in traveling and stuff like that. And I found this uh, online community called Location Indie. They basically taught people about how to be entrepreneurs, make online businesses and be freelance and travel around. And you know, this kind of digital nomad movement. And I was never much of a digital nomad. I did go to Thailand and Myanmar. And like, uh, that's how I found out about Location Indie and joined their membership. And But the thing that I liked the best about that was they, they were teaching people business skills and stuff and um, like entrepreneurial skills. And that was actually what I was more interested in than like doing tons of travel. So yeah, I was like, oh, someone should do this for the motion design industry. And like eventually because of what they were teaching, I was like, maybe I could like do something, you know, I felt like I was not very good at writing and stuff like that. So I decided to start a podcast because someone convinced me. It's actually my podcast editor now. Maybe he's just trying to get me as a client. I don't know. But (laughs) he was like, I met a That's a good tactic. Yeah. Oh, you should make a podcast. Um, And he was like saying that he knew this guy who was in doing like kind of video stuff, like teaching people about business of like making a video company. He was like, why don't you do a podcast about the business of motion design? I was thinking about doing a blog or something, but like I say, I'm not very good at writing stuff. <laughs> so um, I was like, oh, maybe. And I was like, but everyone's going to hate my voice, you know. <laughs> and you kind of get used to it after a while. But uh, yeah, so anyway, and I kind of feel like everything adds to that is a bit of a blur. I don't know whether if you feel like that about starting your podcast, where I, I can't really remember the time between someone saying you should start a podcast and then and then the podcast being out, you know, it was kind yeah. of like, now I have a podcast. <laughs> when was that? That was like um, November 2017. It came out, so it's almost two now and it's just been a bit of a whirlwind really. Uh, it's completely changed my career and probably like my whole life really.
0: Wow. How did you approach it then? Because you were obviously learning... These business skills, as you mentioned, from, um, from the digital nomad guys, and it sounds like you went and got yourself an editor, did you, pretty swiftly?
1: Yeah, from the first episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I don't have time to do this, because I was doing like full-time freelance stuff. So I was like, what well, if I'm going to do this? And you know how hard it is to make a podcast. Like, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I just need to pay someone to help me to edit it.
0: But that's the interesting thing, because that's, you know, that's an investment investment you know that's quite a lot of money that you have to just you know that you're suddenly putting into something
1: yeah it's like a very expensive hobby that's why not many people survive more than 10 episodes or something because they're either editing it themselves or they're like paying someone and it's a lot of money and obviously like paying for microphones and stuff like that Mm. i don't know i think it just because there's not many podcasts in the motion design industry that's one of the reasons why it took off a little bit. And also just because we're talking mainly about the business side of things. And there's not a lot of UK people talking about stuff in the industry, like kind of on, the, on a global level. So I think um, that kind of helped it stand out a bit too.
0: So it must have really helped your profile, did it, as, as, as a freelancer, not, not just as a, as a podcast host, but as a as a motion designer, did it help you in that respect?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I say, like not that many people are doing this sort of thing. So obviously, if you're doing something that's quite niche in your industry, you know, you're kind of going to float to the surface a little bit more, I think. And that's what I try and recommend people to do now, you know, when I'm teaching them stuff is is to do more content marketing and stuff like that, because I think... That it just helps you stand out because it's still quite a new thing in our industry and we we do talk a bit about that on the podcast as well about content marketing and like how to you know attract your clients rather than just kind of going out there and just sending cold emails all the time and stuff like that you know it's that thing of like became becoming sort of um someone that people know in the industry I started this doing this like a long time ago, even before Motion Hatch.
0: And as the podcast grew, like I know that you've been doing speaking, for example, like did that come about because you started to put yourself out there and approach people? Did people start to gravitate towards you?
1: Yeah, I think um, people started asking me because I had the podcast, you know, and because they'd heard me speak and stuff like that before. I mean, I don't do a ton of speaking, but I've done a, a few things. Um, I've actually decided that I'm like, I'm more interested in doing more online stuff than kind of speaking on stages. I don't know. I just kind of like doing videos and podcasts and stuff like that. I find it more enjoyable and, you know, having conversations like we are now rather than doing more formal speaking. I think I will still carry on doing that, but I think it definitely helps because you're showing yourself as like an authority in that industry.
0: Yeah. And, and so motion hatch, did you, sort of like approach it as just a side project an expensive hobby you know a bit like I did or did you go at it like no do you know what I think this could be an additional way to bring in revenue alongside my freelance work.
1: So originally I think it it sort of felt like an expensive hobby but then then it became like more of like a side business that had some alternative revenue so um the first product that i came out was called the freelance contract bundle and basically i thought oh not no one's using contracts you know this actually solves most of our problems as freelancers because if we give people terms and conditions up front then everybody's on the same page they understand what you know is going to happen going into the project you can do things like say you're going to charge for project files which you obviously can't do that like after the fact because then they're going to get upset about it and things like that a lot of the problems that I was seeing from people could be solved with this thing and and kind of when I started making that I didn't really realize how hard it is to work with lawyers and make like contract templates but you know I like to make things hard for myself so I worked with a lawyer in the UK in the US well a solicitor in the UK And then we made that. And so that was my first product that kind of... Yeah, so that just sells in the background now, which is amazing, you know. And obviously I do a bit of promotion and marketing, so it's passive income, but you still have to work hard to promote it and get out there and things like that.
0: Again, that must have taken quite an investment and belief in itself if you're suddenly hiring solicitors and lawyers in order to put that forward.
1: Yeah, so the... The UK solicitor made um, like the first set for the UK first. And I put um, quite a bit of money down for that up front. Yeah, I don't really know what my thinking was. (laughs) I was like, yeah, people want this. I'm just going to make it, you know. Um, And like make contract templates isn't the most attractive product either. But, you know, I don't know. I'm just... I just get an idea in my head, I think, and I just go for it. So I did that. And then um, I wanted to make one for the U.S. because I have quite a big U.S. audience and um, a lot of motion signers there. And and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pre-sell this. So that's what I should have done with the first one too. But what I did was pre-sold the U.S. one before I made it. So I said, if we get like 30, you know, animators to buy this, then we'll, we'll have enough money to play the U.S. lawyer. So that would be what I would like recommend people to do.
0: (laughs) Which again plays to this, you know, you enjoying the whole business side of it. So did did you learn, you initially were learning business skills, as you put it through the digital nomad people, but did you continue to do that elsewhere or were you sort of just experimenting as you went along.
1: Yeah, a bit of both. So I really, really like listening to a lot of um, business podcasts, like particularly like entrepreneurial and online business ones, which plays into a lot of freelance stuff because obviously as a freelancer, you have an online portfolio and more and more using like social media and content marketing. So I learn a lot of stuff from those kind of places and then I, I try and apply it to the motion design industry in my business in Motion Hatch and also... To teach people about how they can run their freelance businesses as well?
0: Yeah, because that so how how did that then change? So you keep ticking over the podcast, which is like is it every it's every couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, every other week. So were you also though Nurturing the audience, were they turning into like a community? Because there's a difference between just people listening and the people who will buy your product, for example.
1: Yeah. So one thing I did, which I'm really glad I did, was start a Facebook group. I feel like that has really, really helped. Now there's about five thousand motion designers in there and it's really engaged and you know really, really helps people because they that they know to come in there and ask the kind of businessy questions. I feel like it's really, really helping a lot of people and that's just like a free Facebook
0: group. And then you you now do masterminds as well.
1: Yeah, so um I don't know whether everyone will be aware of what a mastermind is, so i'll, I'll I guess I'll explain. Uh, a mastermind is like a peer group. So you meet like you can meet like weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, And um, yeah, we have a mastermind group together, but we don't meet that often. Right, Steve? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't even know. what sounds Like every
1: three months, maybe? I think it's like quarterly or something. But yeah, so there's kind of different ways that you can do it. So there's a lot of stuff where you can like pay to be in a mastermind, which is obviously like what my program is. And I've always felt because I've been in like some free ones too, like R1, we obviously just met at a conference and we decided to make one. And then um, I've been in ones where I've kind of been part of the membership, like the location indie one where we were in a mastermind. I always feel like people putting money on the line, like saying like, oh, I'm paying to be in this mastermind helps quite a lot because then you have more commitment from people, if that makes sense. Mm. So I kind of, uh, I think that's a good thing. And especially like what what mine is, is like an eight week thing. So it's more like an intensive thing rather than, it going over a long period of time. So um, yeah, basically you meet up and you brainstorm ideas about your business. So what we do, we have um, mentors. So we've got me, uh, Jess Peterson, who runs a studio, an animation studio in New York. And then a guy from San Francisco, who's a motion designer, who does a lot of events uh, over there. And um, we basically split, have groups of four animators. And then we talk to them every week about their business and we set a goal for them. You know, obviously we discuss with them about what they think their goal should be and everyone kind of brainstorms together on any struggles they're having. And I think it's really nice because everyone's kind of motion designers in there and they're all helping each other and they're kind of facing the same things. And we try and put people together with other people that are either like close to them location wise, but also you know, people who are kind of going through the same sort of things. So even when it's not your kind of turn to talk or to go through your struggles, you're getting help and information from the other people all the time. And I think Mm. it's just really nice because as freelancers as well, I feel like we get super lonely and, you know, like when I started, I didn't know what to charge. I didn't know what I was doing really. And just kind of trying to get people in pubs for private conversations whereas this you can have like a private conversation with like four other people who are kind of in the same situation as you and it's a bit more like you're getting a more well-rounded perspective of maybe your work your website where you are in the industry that kind of thing I, I really, really like doing it because I could just talk to people, creatives about their businesses all day and all night, you know, and sometimes I do. <laughs> it's just really fun for me because it's that thing where you just get to know the people very well. So there's people in the, these groups together for eight weeks, kind of intensively talking to each other every week. And we have a Slack channel where we interact with each other as well. And you just get to know each other really well and it almost becomes like a little family. So it's just really, really nice for people who are like spread across the world and maybe they don't have a lot of motion designers in their area or they're quite new to the industry. And, and the big part of being in the mastermind is the accountability. So we're there every week being like, have you achieved your goal? Have you done what you're going to say you were supposed to do this week and all of that kind of thing.
0: So presumably masterminds have really helped you as well then?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why I decided to make it for Motion Hatch because I thought like this is the thing that's helped me the most in my business and my career. So why wouldn't I bring that to my community? You know, it feels like it's almost like what you have to do, you know, when you feel like, well, this is actually the thing that's really, really helped me. You know, like I was, I'm in a mastermind with my podcast editor as well through the location indie group and You know, that's kind of what started this whole motion hatching for me, what completely flipped my whole business and my whole life and kind of gave me a perspective on where I want my career to go and, you know, how how I want that to play out. And, you know, like recently been hiring people to help me and stuff like that. And I don't think I would have the confidence to do that without having a mastermind group behind me, really.
0: Uh, I was going to say, how are you managing to do all of this? Because obviously there's a lot... (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, you know, still, uh, we don't have a, like a massive team or anything, but I have a couple of virtual assistants, which is a massive help. Um, just working like part time. And then obviously the podcast editor, but I'm still doing an awful lot myself, but I'm working on motion hatch full time now. So being brave enough to transition a bit out of the freelance work too, is I think was a big thing for me as well. Like I got a new accountant and she had to be like, it's okay, you can do this. Like, (laughs) you know, it's almost like going through that from that full time to freelancing again, uh, going from the full time work to just building Motion Hatch. But it feels like much more, what's the word kind of, you know, it feels more meaningful to me, I guess, because I'm having more impact on more people's lives than than I was uh, as as freelance like how I said to you earlier how I was trying to transition more into having a positive impact on the world this is what I see as me doing with motion hatch now is doing
0: that but man that must have meant there was a phase where you had to start saying no to the people who would have been coming to you
1: yeah I still doing that (laughs) I'm still saying no and I you know I still uh I'm not saying like I'm never gonna do freelance animation work again but um Yeah. At the moment I'm, I'm saying no to my clients, which is tough. It is really hard because you're like, Oh, okay. This is like, that's like the quick kind of easy money. Once you're like established and you have good clients that you like working with, it's really, really hard to say no to them. Very, very hard. Actually. That's been one of my struggles. And that's, that's why I had to have A new accountant tell me that it was okay to do that, (laughs) you know, because you know it is hard, and you're building a business, and it's the same thing, really. What I'm doing now is what I was doing before. It's just now I have customers instead of clients, you know, and I'm really grateful that the customers I have are are actually people in my community because I really like them and I understand what their problems are, and I really, really want to help them, you know.
0: Yeah, are you someone who's uh, a planner?
1: Uh, so this is my, uh, actually this week, this is why I've been struggling with so much is like, I always feel like, you know, you teach the things that you struggle the most with. So I'm always talking about planning and productivity and things like that, because I'm always learning about it because I'm always struggling with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. So it's stuff like, um, you know, uh, content calendars, stuff like that, like planning your week. Like these are all of the things that I'm starting to teach people about. And I think it's because I struggle with it the most too. So I'm always like, okay, how can I learn to do this better? So then I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I've learned to do that in a better way. So then I try and like pass it on to other people, you know?
0: So are you getting better at it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that I am getting better at it. So um, I've been doing like lots of different things lately. Like I literally just did this, Thing where i've um printed off some calendars and you know i'm planning my the next two months on on my on a wall instead of like it hiding in my google calendar i kind of like live and die by my google calendar but i'm also trying some like different ways to do that and came up with a system that i've been teaching people in the mastermind too about how to prioritize tasks and stuff like that so i feel like that is really helpful it's basically like you doing like a brain dump of all everything that you can think of because most of the time it just sits in our heads and then we're just thinking about all the time and I'm, I'm terrible for switching off like my business brain like and relaxing so you make a brain dump and then you number all your tasks like one to five and then only like the fours and the fives you move along to the next kind of section so they're the priorities and then you say like what would help me make the most money what would be the most beneficial for my clients or customers you know and ask yourself questions like that and then that's how you know what will have the biggest impact on your business long term instead of kind of just doing the busy work all the time
0: I like that yeah and so how is your work-life balance if you find it hard to switch off
1: yeah, it's okay at the moment. I'm really, really try like very hard to have a schedule. So I normally try and work from about eight till five or sort of nine till six. Sometimes it's like eight till seven, which isn't great. But, you know, I really do try hard to do that. I I feel like it's because when you really care about what you're doing, and especially now I feel like Motion Hatch is like you know, you're like, it's my baby. (laughs) It's really hard to like put it down. And especially because we have people in our program at the moment, you know, I want to be there for them. And some of them are in the U S so sometimes they might like ping on Slack, like when it's my evening and it's really hard to just like not reply, even though I know I don't have to like instantly reply all the time. And obviously we have the mentors in the U S like one of the big reasons why they're mentoring people as well is because, you know sometimes the groups the ideal time for them to do the mastermind calls would be like when I in the, mi- the middle of my night so like the other week I had to get up in the middle of the night to do a call where it was like me and their mentor on the introduction call and then you know they're going to do the rest of the calls for the session but I wanted to meet everyone so I had to get over like half one in the morning <laughs> uh- so yeah, and, it's still a challenge.
0: <laughs> and there was obviously a lot of your freelance career was spent going into other people's offices rather than working from home. Now that you're spending so much time working on your own stuff, what have you decided to do? Are you working from your house? Are you, are you in a co-work space? Like, what, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, so when I was in London, I actually had like a shared office space. I really liked that. I recommend that to people. I, I think that was really good. It was like me and another animator and an illustrator and that was awesome but now I'm doing like a lot more videos and podcasts and stuff like that I'm just working from home because then I have everything set up the way I want it and I'm not disturbing other people you know apart from my boyfriend because he also works from home Um.
0: how, how are you finding it socially
1: yeah, it's good. I We took up running because I feel like we have to get out of the house. So <laughs> now we go run around the park and then I just did a marathon. Well, not a marathon, a half marathon getting ahead of myself. I never thought I would do that. But now I've kind of got the running bug a little bit. So if anyone's thinking they can't run, you can just download the <laughs> Couch to 5K app and just get out there. And then after a while, a couple of sessions, you'll be like, hmm, quite That's like this. so Cool.
0: Okay, now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Haley?
1: I, I feel quite competitive, Steve, about it. So let, I've let's not go. had a good
0: track record so far this season. I, I need to get this. Come on.
1: Okay, so I once dressed up as Ginger Spice for a talent show. At my dad's bakery, I used to have a cake that was named after me called the Hayley Hini. And I held an Olympic torch for the 2012 London Olympics.
0: Oh, good one. Do
1: you like them? I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited.
0: Now, I'm just trying to think, like, is your dad actually a baker? Because, like, if I was to make up a job for my dad to have, I'm thinking I might go baker.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my dad has a bakery with his brother and it's called Aiken's Family Bakers in the northeast
0: what was it the Haley,
1: the Haley hinny hinny it's sort of like this old like northeast say saying that you sort of said to your like kids and stuff like grannies and say like oh you're right hinny like that <laughs> so it's like a cake called the singing hinny it's like a current cake but then he made it like called the Haley hinny because he thought it was nice that it was hh and also because it was like a term of endearment oh that you usually use so for kids. Nice. So Hang on, yeah. do,
0: you ha- do you have any siblings?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, Laura, yeah.
0: And so, was there a Laura cake?
1: No, no, there wasn't a Ooh, Laura cake.
0: did that cause an issue?
1: No, well, it was kind of like a bit before she was born, so it was fine. I think she's still oh, a bit okay, miffed about okay. it, though, to be honest. Because I was only little, so it's one of those things where you sort of get told it afterwards, and it's when I was very young, so my dad was obviously a bit more smitten than when we were older. He was like, oh, you're just annoying kids. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like by the time you've had your second child, you're not as like, oh, that would be a nice thing to do kind of thing. You must, you know about that.
0: (laughs) Right. You dressed as Ginger Spice for a talent show. Did you sing as well?
1: Yeah. So I can't really remember that well because I was quite young. I think I was like 11. It was the last year of primary school.
0: I could do the math in my head to see if if that even tallies with when the Spice Girls were around. Um, But you held an Olympic torch. How come? Because you've already admitted that you're just not remotely into sport.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it was actually, it was when I was at Google. So it was when the London Olympics was on and somebody was an Olympic torch bearer. I think, is that what you call them? You know, where they like passed it along or something. Yeah. And they brought it in to Google.
0: Uh, Oh, I don't know. Okay, look, that sounds plausible. But then, of course, when you're 11, if the Spice Girls were a thing, so, so does dressing up as ginger spice. And yet I will be gutted if you having a cake isn't true. But like I even said right at the beginning, even inventing your dad as a baker and then inventing the fact that he made a cake out, like, that that sounds like a good lie to make up. It's such a lovely lie because it's such a lovely story. I don't know. Okay, right, you never had a cake named after you.
1: Uh, I'm annoyed that you you (laughs) said it was that because I didn't have a cake named after me, but my dad does own a bakery. Yes! I was so annoyed that you got it. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I thought my explanation was fantastic and everything. Your
0: explanation was amazing.
1: I know, Steve. You've ruined my life now. I'm so sad. Hey, that you I picked didn't. It out.
0: You want to pick a bone with your dad who didn't name a cake after you. I
1: know. And it should have been called the Haley Hinney, don't you it think?
0: It was such a good name. Like, it was so totally plausible. <laughs> However, can, can we also point out the fact that your dad, if he still owns the bakery, can now make up for this by having the Hayley Hinney and the Laura Leia cake. Like, it's not too late.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah.
0: Now that you're so into business skills and everything, I imagine that you will probably negotiate some sort of cut from the Hayley Hinney if he does go ahead.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Get on to him, and I shall schedule a trip to South Shields for next April. Okay, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be?
1: I think I would tell myself to not be scared you know and just kind of go for it and also to be more involved with the online community and try and make friends and just be a genuinely nice person to work with
0: lovely really great chatting to you beingfreelance.com as ever there is links through to everything for our guests get up to so that you can check out Haley's freelance work also motion hatch have a listen to her podcast and if you're a motion designer check out motion hatch for sure but actually I've listened to loads of your episodes and I'm not a motion designer so go check yeah. that out um, there'll be links at beingfreelance.com while you're there follow the link through to the being freelance community and I'll see you in there and of course if you're a freelance parent check out doing it for the the kids uh the other podcast that i do for freelancing parents as well in fact there is an episode of motion hatch which is frankie and i from doing it for the kids where we chat to hayley about freelancing as parents and that was a lot of fun so we'll put a link to that as well at beingfreelance.com but for now hayley thanks so much and all the best being freelance all the best with the game of running motion hatch
1: thank you very much this has been really really fun